Warning, the podcast you are about to listen to may have adult language and discuss adult themes not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Stay down and you never quit. Come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. All right. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Bonus episode of the far end of the bench coming at you guys live here on this Friday afternoon. I have a special guest with me. Uh, Jared at Jared zero underscore NBA. You can see his social media handle up there. Uh, really thankful that we got a guest coming on. He is a Celtics fan. So unfortunately we're not talking about his team versus our team, but he's gotten a pretty good look at this Miami heat team after their seven game Eastern conference finals. We'll talk a little bit about um, some other NBA news, the playoffs in general. And then obviously since he's a Celtics fan, I got to ask him about Missoula coming back at FEOTB pod, follow all the socials down below, subscribe to the YouTube channel, wherever you're watching, let your friends know about, this show and tell them to check us out on our regular ones as well. Uh, Nico's getting ready for the PLL game. So if you're listening live right now, uh, I believe it's on ESPN plus tonight, 6 30 PM. The Redwoods are playing in the PLL. He's getting that game set up. You'll be able to hear him scream on the sidelines. Jared, thank you for coming on. Uh, we talked a little bit before getting you on the show, but uh, go ahead let people know what, what you're kind of, what, what they can find from you. And then uh, thank you for coming on again and taking some time out of your day. Yeah, no, of course. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's an honor, you know. Um, and like you said, I am a Celtics fan. I do my best to cover the Celtics. Um, I have my own website called Energy Shift Sports. Right now it is under construction, um, kind of in the process of revamping that. I'm also in the process of a couple other things that are coming up, so – Everybody who's following me on Twitter, and again, there's my Twitter handle, at Jared Zero underscore NBA. Feel free to look out for the announcements there. Um, but honestly, I just – I love the NBA. I love watching basketball games. You know, this Denver team is fun to watch. Miami, they're a fun team to watch. You know, and it's just been – I just love basketball, right? So even though I am a Celtics fan, I've kind of ingrained myself in Celtics Twitter, and I – have built my following based off of, you know, writing about the Celtics and talking about the Celtics. I really just love talking about basketball in general. So yeah. that's I, a it's about what I do. It's a big culture up there in the Northeast. We were kind of talking about that a couple weeks ago on our show, Denver, as much as we are following the nuggets now and it's good, it's a fun team to watch. I, I agree with you in that regard. It's not a big basketball culture. There's not a whole bunch of pickup games going on. I know New York specifically, but I'm sure Boston has its areas too. Basketball is a, a little bit more of a culture and we'll have to get you back on when Nico's able to join us too, because I'm sure you two could talk ball all, all day and night. He was basically, he had a little stuffed ball in his crib. Um, his dad's been working with the NBA players. He's a, a lawyer and a, uh, agent, but We'll have to get you back on. I'm sure it's a huge culture out there, and I'm excited to get you on and get some of your thoughts. You mentioned it already. It's been good basketball. This was the, one of the weirdest NBA tournaments going off of those five or six years where we basically knew it was a two-team race, who's going to go, whatever team LeBron is in, in on the East, going up against the Warriors. How is that series going to fill out? This playoffs was uh, a little bit different, that, or very different. First time, I believe, or first time in a while that we've had a one through eight seed play in the second round. We had a, a representative of each seed. <clears throat> Let's uh, start in the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks going down was the first surprise kind of of the NBA playoffs. Did you think that they were going to be, were you of the mindset that they were going to be able to overcome the injury to Giannis and, and bounce back, given that they did have a championship pedigree and seemed to be playing well at, up, up in points in that series? So I'm actually going to be honest with you, and anybody who knows me, I uh, can vouch for this. I actually had Miami coming out of that series uh, for numerous reasons. And this is no disrespect to Milwaukee or Giannis. Um, it's just they're an older team, right? A lot of their players were starting to show regression throughout the season. And after the All-Star break, when they went on that incredible 
you know, 29 and seven run where they overtook the first seed and, you know, everybody just thought they were unstoppable. A lot of what people didn't really notice is that a lot of the teams they played weren't the healthiest, right? Like a lot of the teams were benching their starters or somebody was out injured. And whenever Milwaukee did play against a healthy team, right? We saw it when they played Denver. We saw it when they played Boston. They kind of just got worked over. And, you know, and again, it's no disrespect to Milwaukee, right? It's just their players are older. They were showing regression. And now, you know, they're coming into the playoffs against a healthy Miami Heat team. And we all know what Jimmy Butler is capable of in the playoffs, right? We've seen it a million times before. We're seeing it again. Um, So I honestly had... Miami coming out of that series. I did not expect it to only be five games. I thought it was going to be a seven game series. I thought it was going to be one of those, you know, kind of grueling matchups, but obviously, you know, it was five games. Giannis did get injured. And there was a period when he came back, I kind of thought Milwaukee was going to come out with some sort of vengeance. And we saw in game five, Giannis put up a triple double and they still couldn't capitalize, right? Jimmy Butler had that explosive 57 game or point performance in game five and it was just that was special basketball that was a fun game to watch and um you know and I think that really is what is what sparked this incredible run from Miami they've been they were really hot it's unfortunate the series in the Eastern Conference Finals went the way that it did where they were so close to giving up the 3-0 lead because up until that point when they had that for, oh, through the first three games of the Eastern Conference Finals, they were the hottest team in sports. It was them. It was Florida over in the NHL. Southern Florida was just on fire. They slowed down. It's It makes sense because it's a lot of games that you have to play. We learned that the hard way last year. Like you win the conference, you, you get it to the conference finals, you're only halfway there. You still have whole two other series to try and get through. And there's not going to be a cakewalk. There's not going to be easy series up until that point. Yeah, you took advantage of a Milwaukee team that wasn't completely healthy. The Knicks, the Knicks are up and down. That's another thing that I kind of wanted to mention too. We were really high on, on Cleveland thinking that maybe this would be the year that they win a a series post LeBron beat the Knicks uh, didn't end up working out that way. Do you see uh, the Cavaliers in the same way that we do where they're kind of a team on the rise? Maybe it was a little bit too early this year, but moving forward, if they have the right pieces in place, they already have some young guys that are, are capable of getting them at least to the dance. Oh, absolutely. Um, I really do love this Cleveland team. Donovan Mitchell's awesome. Darius Garland is awesome. Um, and I'm, I was a big fan of them in the playoffs. I really, really did think they were going to make it past the Knicks. And again, I thought that was going to be a seven-game series with you know Cleveland making it out. But at the end of the day, they are a super young team, and they don't have a ton of playoff experience. So now that they kind of got that little bit of a taste, I do expect them to be back next year. I do expect um, Cleveland to be able to, I expect them to be in the semi-conference or the semifinals of the Eastern conference next year. Um, obviously depending on the trajectory of the season, but with in way too early prediction, if they made it to the second round of the playoffs, that wouldn't surprise me. Especially, I mean, the East was pretty top heavy. Uh, and when you look at this playoff, bracket after the Celtics people thought Milwaukee initially uh, the people in Philly I know that I have the Rocky poster but we've been be- we, we have pretty good beef with the city of Philadelphia um, going back since they lost the Super Bowl and all they're the best losers in sports is all that we can say but kind of we've had a feud with them for the last two years over the M- MVP award I think it's pretty clear now that Joel Embiid was given the MVP because they didn't want to give it to a guy three years in a row but him, James Harden, Doc Rivers, that team was destined to implode. We said that from the very beginning, whether it was the first round or the second round, we thought they could have lost in round one in all reality. And yeah, Jimmy Butler going, <clears throat> not even having to play against those guys, we thought that was going to be their kryptonite. They just, uh, it's its like something in their DNA where they've been tanking. They, they embrace tanking so hard that now the players that they have around them that are supposed to be their superstars can't even bring them past the second round of the playoffs. This is how, however many years in a row do you start the process over? Is Joel Embiid somebody that you want to build around with his injury history? Philadelphia is in a really weird spot given they were, you know, a win away from making it to the Eastern conference finals, but still that 
the way that their season ended, I can't imagine Philly fans are very excited about their future prospect moving forward. Yeah, it definitely not like they, it, it, it is definitely a confusing situation over in Philadelphia. Um, because obviously we have all the James Harden news. Is he going back to the Rockets for a reunion? There's reports of him potentially going to Phoenix. Uh, there's a potential sign and trade for Chris Paul going to Philadelphia and James Harden going to the Suns, right? Like there's so many different variables that it's just, it's confusing. But I will say going into next season, I honestly have somewhat high expectations for Philadelphia because Nick Nurse, I think, is going to be able to unlock a lot of what Tyrese Maxey is going to be able to do. And I think he's going to be able to utilize them in a way that Doc Rivers couldn't. And we're going to see an up year from Tyrese Maxey. I think Tobias Harris, I think he can only get better, right? Like, I don't think he's incredible. I'm not going to call him a superstar or even a star, but I think under a guy like Nick Nurse, um, these type of dudes can get better, right? Joel Embiid, he is talented as he is, right? And like, you know, he, he had a great year. The whole MVP going to Jokic versus Embiid, right? It's like, do you rather the MVP or do you rather be two wins away from the NBA Finals, right? Like, that's one of those things that's hard to say. Obviously, I think Jokic should have won the MVP. Am I happy Embiid won it? Yeah, because I think he also at some point, whether it was last year or the year before, also deserved it. But you want, like, Joel Embiid is a guy you build around. I think a lot of what Philadelphia needed, though, was that coaching change and that culture change. And I think Nick Nurse is going to be able to bring that to them. And that's where we're going to kind of see that up year from them. Um, honestly, in game seven, I think Jason Tatum just going absolutely nuclear just sucked the life out of them and they couldn't get anything going. Right. So like if a couple of shots don't fall the right way and it's a somewhat closer game and not a complete blowout, maybe Philadelphia does find a little bit of spark of life, but I just, I think, like I said, that coaching change in Philly is going to be a really big factor for next season. And yeah, they just have to get out of that loser mentality, but it's been years on end because I I think back to, you want to say one shot doesn't go in the Kawhi shot at the end when, when Toronto was going up against Philly, it bounces one other time on the other side of the rim. It doesn't go in Toronto doesn't go. And I, I think that, you know, Philly would have had their hands full moving forward in, in those playoffs, but still it's like, how, t- how many times you're going to be that close? How many times you're right. going to have Ben Simmons wide open under the hoop and he doesn't even attempt a dunk or a layup in the guy's six eleven? So there's, there's some things that Nick nurse is going to have to work out, but he's got a lot of time. That's the, the good thing about losing a little bit earlier pre-conference finals is, is what I'll say. Cause if you make it all the way to the conference finals and lose, that's tough. You have less of an off season. You have all of these different things. If you want to fill in, replace people uh, it's a little bit tougher, He's going to have plenty of time to get those guys, like, get your rest, get back healthy. Let's get ready to make make whatever push we can with the guys that we have. And the East, like I said, they should still probably be in contention for a top three seed. I would say top four seed. I don't think that they're going to be on the road in the first round of the playoffs next season. I could be wrong about that, but they they are still a talented enough team that, yeah, Doc Rivers just getting the loser – no offense, but getting the guy that can lose you the series as easily as a guy like Doc Rivers, getting him out is probably the best thing for your franchise. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the Celtics, then we'll move over to the Western Conference. In sure. general, were you pleased? Did you think that it was a little bit shaky? Um, like I, what I heard a lot of the national media, I listened to Barstool, so they obviously have Boston guys sprinkled throughout all their different shows. They were all a little bit nervous at certain times, but they still have a lot of confidence. It's a, it does seem this team, it, it, they have to figure something to get over that hump. They were in the finals last year and didn't give the series that people were expecting this year. They, they lose in seven after possibly coming back from down three Oh, uh, what are, what were your thoughts on the Celtics run in general? And then especially getting down towards the later rounds of the playoffs. Yeah. So honestly, I, and I feel personally, I feel like I'm in the minority of opinion when it comes to this, but 
I was honestly really, really happy with the Celtics run. I was really satisfied with how they performed because you got to think about it, right? Like you lose your head coach a handful of hours before media day, an assistant gets hired to replace him and, you know, an assistant gets hired to replace him right before media day, comes in, has no idea what he's doing. And again, not that Joe Missoula doesn't have any idea. He, according to everybody that's ever interviewed him and talked with him behind the scenes, is one of the brightest basketball minds that they can think of, right? Like he is incredibly smart when it comes to basketball. But then you have Will Hardy leave to go coach Utah. You have Damon Stoudemire leave halfway through the season to go be a head coach at the college level. And it's just the Celtics face so much adversity the past two years. All the, you know, Jalen Brown trade rumors, all the coaching changes, and, you know, going from Brad Stevens even to Ime and having to go through three different styles of coaching and three different sort of cultures, as teams like to call it, all just for them to kind of replicate these same performances, right? Eastern Conference, finals, Eastern Conference. And it's not like the Celtics are getting blown out, right? Everyone this year thought, oh, Celtics are getting blown out. It's 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to get swept. And then something clicks in Joe Missoula's brain. He's doing this without a coaching staff. And they come back, make it a 3-3 series, going to Boston for Game 7. And honestly, 20 seconds in, Jason Tatum rolls his ankle. That doesn't happen. We could be having a completely different conversation right now. So given what the Celtics have been able to do with just kind of everything they've faced, all the outside noise. Because one thing I've noticed as a Celtics fan, and, you know, I see it a lot with Denver as well. There's a lot of outside media chatter saying, oh, the Celtics are struggling with this. They're not doing this. Or, you know, in the same side or the same, the other side of the coin, it's Denver's not a fun team to watch. They're boring, you know. So they kind of just listen to all this outside noise and they have to block that out. And so with everything, I'm super happy with where the Celtics are. And honestly, I'm kind of glad we didn't make the finals for the simple fact that everybody was banged up. Brogdon has a torn tendon. Jalen Brown has a hyperextended elbow. Derek White has a leg injury. Tatum's ankle injury. So even if they somehow did win game seven, we are still playing at least another four games, traveling to Denver for two of them. At the very least, if we win a game or two, you know, we're traveling back and forth now twice, and we don't get the extra rest and extra time off. Woj just um, tweeted out that Grant Williams had wrist surgery. Nobody knew he was injured except for like a month and a half ago, two months ago. So, you know, it's just the, the like you said earlier, that extra time off, I think, has been super important. Um, and it's giving Joe Missoula and Brad Stevens' time to actually get qualified and veteran assistance on Joe's bench. Getting your coaching staff in order, and that, that was a crazy um, situation. Like, nobody expected Ime Adoka to be suspended for what he was suspended for and then to be out right away. I, I thought that they were going to give him at least another chance because of the success that the team had, but it was a sticky situation. It was a tough situation to be put into. It's hard. I do think that the Celtics, the, the Heat are going to be – the Heat are a tough series. They have the capability to win. They proved that on Sunday night in game two. <clears throat> but I do think that the Celtics, just with that extra star power, Jason Tatum, if he's able to get healthy at some point during that series, he's another X factor that you got to worry about. And Jalen Brown, uh, th there's just a little bit more firepower that I'm nervous about instead of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But it is a, a much different series going up against the heat than going to play the nuggets where you got Jokic that uh, if you got injured guys that can't get into the paint and slow that big seven footer down, he's just going to rain buckets on, on top of you the entire game for 40 minutes, 48 minutes, however long that he plays. And Malone just said in his, uh, in the locker room that he's never taken him out again in the fourth quarter that he's just going to be killing people in the paint. That's what he's done. And funny enough, it's weird. We, we talked about this stat last week too. When he scores 40 points, the Nuggets typically don't win. He's got to get that 30, 10, and 20 triple-double, and that's the winning formula, which, I mean, if, if that's 
if that's what it takes to win in the NBA, nobody's as good of a basketball player as that guy. Um, I'm, I'm going to save the Nuggets. Let's talk about the Western Conference. Um, I want to start with Memphis because Memphis has been kind of a contentious topic all season. And John Morant just continues to give content for guys like myself, like you will be with your podcast where you're scrounging for stuff to talk about. You're like, wait, John Morant did it. Did what? Oh, he did it again two months later. This this is awesome. But that Memphis team, Dylan Brooks just added fuel to the fire. It, Nico called it a while ago. Like they were going to be out early on in the playoffs. They had no leadership. They had no experience. And they were just cocky when they probably didn't have the right to be. You can be cocky when you're winning four, you know, your fourth seed, second seed, first seed in the West in December. But how are you going to fare in April, May, June when the games really count? And we saw they were not ready at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of this Denver team. Actually, the Grizzlies follow me on Twitter. Um, I, I love the Grizzlies. I think they're a fun team. Obviously, John Morant, when he's not being dumb and doing dumb things off the court, um, he's a fun and dynamic player to watch. Something that I do love about the team is I don't think a lot of what they were doing was necessarily cocky. I think more of it's just they're having fun, right? Like, I think those, like, pregame dances that we see – I think that's fun, and it's good for that type of team chemistry. Because you always hear, like, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, you hear these guys talk about how close these teams are with each other. Like, they're, they're best friends on and off the court, and it's awesome. It is, it's, it's something I feel like when I watch the Celtics, because you hear a million times, oh, these Celtics have locker room issues, they hate each other. Kevin O'Connor was saying he has sources saying these guys are tired of fake liking each other, whatever. Yeah, none of that is true. You hear Jason Tatum after game six or game five, whichever one it was, saying, I love these these guys in the locker room. I'd go to war for them. They're my brothers. Like, I love this team. You hear him after the Philly series talking about how much he loves the city of Boston, how much he loves playing here, right? You Jalen Brown just bought a house in Boston. Everyone's saying, you got to trade him. He's, he's leaving. Well, no, he just bought a house here. He started a business here, right? Like, you don't do that if you're if you don't like where you're playing. You know, you see these like pregame rituals that all these teams have. And I just think Memphis is really just a fun team like that. And again, it goes back to the issue that kind of Cleveland faces, right? They're a young team. They don't have a ton of veteran leadership. Like I could be wrong on this. I think Steven Adams might, might be their oldest guy and he's only 29. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they, they struggled with injuries. Brandon Clark getting hurt, Steven Adams getting hurt, jaw hurting his hand. You know, it was a lot of bad luck, and we saw a lot of these bad injuries everywhere in the playoff, right? So, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to hate on Memphis, but I agree. Like, I I don't know what to expect with jaw. I don't know what to expect with the announcement Adam Silver is going to make, but – I, I really think it's going to be in that 40 to 50 game realm suspension. Yeah. It's when it's right after directly after a game, I get you win. we were giving him crap because he's not even really going to the, the nice establishments for the, that kind of thing. Like I drive past that. That's in one of the worst parts of Denver. I've driven past it quite a few times and it's, it's not an appealing site and to do something stupid like that right after a game. And then, come out, have all of this PR, say, I'm never going to do this again. I've learned my lesson. Oops, it, it happened two months after. It just uh, it worries me because of the focus. If you don't have the focus to be able to get through even the first round of the playoff, I, I don't even know. Like, like you said, I don't know what to expect from them because they're going to need to grow up quite a bit just with that mental capacity of, yeah, we can have fun, but we have to take care of business. We can't be – just worried about having a good time. We have to be able to actually play the game and, and move on and do the things that people are expecting us to do. Um, <clears throat> the other one, first round series in the West that had people's attention, the Kings finally making it back to the playoffs. I think since the Bengals won their first playoff game, they were the longest drought left in pro sports history. And now uh, I think it's the Jets that haven't made the playoffs in the longest time. Uh, they end up losing to in seven games to the defending champs, Golden State. Golden State's the interesting ticket here because Draymond, his future's up in the air, and they did not have the depth, and they did not have the star power at the top of their lineup. Steph is Steph. He's going to be able to score, and 
you know, he, he's got to play off of the other guys. Cause if you just have to shut down one guy or you can allow a guy to go off and win a series like LA did in the second round, you have some kinks to work out, but that is a team that has all the championship experience. Their coach is a, another guy that you can trust with anything, but they, they are going to have to figure some things out. They might see another year, like uh, when Steph and clay and all those guys were injured all at once where they're maybe picking up a, a extra draft pick and people are going to be back again. Like, Oh crap, golden state. Really? We got to worry about the Warriors again? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That series was something else. I think out of all the playoff series, that is probably my second favorite so far this year. Um, it was so electric. Seeing Sacramento as hype as it was, light the beam, everything about it was awesome. And yeah, the Golden State Warriors beat us in the finals last year, but Steph Curry is so fun to watch and it's not particularly close like he's just so much fun to watch right like there's nobody who is i don't know he's just such a dynamic player and he makes stuff happen all the time and so seeing that matchup i had a lot of fun watching it and i'm not gonna lie to you i really thought sacramento had them figured out and when uh, De'Aaron Fox broke his finger and they're like, yeah, he's going to play. I was like, nothing is stopping the Sacramento team. And then Steph went nuclear, you know, Sacramento loses, yep. you know, that, that was really like, ah, oh, that like it's, it's Steph, right. It's always cool to see him go off like that, but you know, he, it was kind of like a, almost like a gut punch. Like I think everybody kind of wanted to see Sacramento beat mm-hmm. them, move on. Because honestly, if if Sacramento did beat uh, Golden State, I didn't see anybody beating Sacramento. I thought they were, they were they were under they were undersold for how dynamic they actually were. Absolutely, but obviously, as we know, like that wasn't the case. Golden State wins it. I think the biggest surprise for me, though, about Golden State this entire playoff run is I'm going to use the word regression again, right? Like Clay Thompson was not great against the Lakers. Jordan Poole was terrible, right? Steph was basically doing everything he could on his own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest surprise to me is why Clay Thompson kind of just disappeared. Like, I don't know, and I could have missed this if it was reported or not, but maybe he was dealing with some sort of injury that hasn't been, you know, released yet. And if it has, you know, I might just be behind on the time, but it's seeing a regression like that is kind of major. And I feel like golden state now has choices to make. Like you said, Draymond's future is up in the air. You know, Steph is, he's still Steph. I'm never going to count out a team with Steph Curry on it, but what do you do with a guy like Clay Thompson? Do you look to move him to a team? Like, you know, Stephen a talked about it on ESPN. Like, do you try to move him to a team like the Knicks, right? Or do you just try to see what kind of value he has around the NBA because if Clay Thompson returns to his form, he's still an elite shooter, mm-hmm. right? So he's got. I mean, Kevin Love is still play. If you can post up, if, if you can play a little defense, and that was kind of where his game suffered the most. He used to be able to guard your best offensive weapon, and and he wasn't able to do that coming off of this po- last injury. You can play a little bit of defense. You can c- pull down a couple offensive rebounds, post up in the corner with with a nice three ball. You have a very very long career. So I'm not saying that he's done by any means. I just think it, it would be crazy because I think the fan base would kind of revolt if you get rid of the Splash Brothers and they're no longer on the same team. I'm thinking maybe, you know, Dame's been wanting out of Portland for a while. He went to school up in the Pacific Northwest. I know that you don't normally want to trade a guy in conference, but it's not like you're trading Clay in his prime to Portland at that point. And you're picking up Dame Lillard, who you got two guys that will shoot from anywhere on the floor with Steph and Dame. I, I don't know if maybe you get a Splash Brothers 2.0 or if it doesn't work. I don't know. There's They're, they're probably going to be looking around to see what exactly are we going to get. Is it worth it? Or do we just keep the Splash Brothers intact and figure out a way to build around them too? They're, they're going to have a couple – they're going to have some things to work out, work out in this offseason over the summer. And I'm sure their summer league is going to be very intently watched because they're going to have to pull somebody up to replace one of the guys that are going to be leaving here soon. Yeah. And I, so 
I'm going to relate this whole Golden State situation to kind of what's going on with Boston right now. Um, I don't know if there is a trade at Clay Thompson's value that makes the Warriors better, right? And it's the same thing with people saying, oh, like the Celtics need to trade Jalen Brown because this new super tax second apron thing. Um, There's not a trade for Jalen Brown that makes the Celtics better. So like, I think you're right. Like, I think Golden State's going to be trying to hear out offers about Clay. You know, they're going to really be strongly considering if they're going to bring back Draymond, um, which I'm saying that's a 50 50 coin flip if they do. But I don't think there's a trade, at least at Clay Thompson's current value, in my opinion, that makes Golden State better. I think keeping the rapport, keeping the Splash Brothers, you know, because if Clay Thompson bounces back again, He's fantastic. He has the rapport with Steph. Like, he's been there his whole career. That's not something you break up. And they've won multiple championships together. So even if, for whatever reason, their championship window is closed, which I'm not saying it is, but if, for whatever reason, it is, you let Steph and Clay finish it out together. Mm. It's like if uh, I know that they did end up getting split up, but like Pippen and, and Jordan, you got you had those two on the team. You were able to bring in other other pieces around them. So I I think that's probably what they're going to do. And if Draymond doesn't knock out his own teammate over last summer, he might have a better chance of coming back. But you've already had to quell so many fires with that guy. The headache just isn't worth it anymore. His defense, sure, he's not dynamic on the offensive end like he used to be I think it's it's time and honestly he seems like a player that would probably benefit from going somewhere else because he's just antagonizing people right now in the Bay Area with his podcast after after games and everything like that he's kind of outstayed his welcome a little bit Um, the team that they ended up losing to and then the team that got swept in the Western Conference Finals first sweep in in Denver Nuggets history the Los Angeles Lakers um, their dynamic duo didn't come through the way that people were expecting. Their depth had a couple games, but you get swept, and ESPN did, made every single excuse in the book as to why the Los Angeles Lakers were swept. But ultimately, it came down to the Nuggets were a better team. They had the depth answer. We had uh, Terrell. I don't know if you've interacted with that Realism Sports on Twitter at all. Uh, he's a big Lakers fan. He came on, kind of did a preview of that series, and everything that Nico said the Nuggets had to do, they did. I wasn't expecting a sweep of the Los Angeles Lakers, especially after they were able to go from a seven seed being in the play in tournament and getting into that position. What do you think is the future for LeBron? Because that is the question mark that ESPN decided to, to drop on everybody after the Lakers lost is that he might be retired. He might be looking to move somewhere. Obviously he said he wants to play with his son, but there's a lot of question marks around LeBron right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I personally don't think LeBron's done. Um, it's a, it's a Tom Brady effect, right? Like I feel until I see it, until I see an NBA season start without LeBron James, I am not going to believe that he is retired. Um, obviously, like he is older. I understand that I got to see what the future holds. Um, like I understand that type of stuff, right? Like he has been playing for over 20 years. He's been elite for almost all of them. He's arguably the best player of all time. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know what happens. I don't know what direction he's going to want to go, but honestly, like I don't, again, like I won't believe that he's retiring until there is a roster in the NBA that does not have him listed on it. And I think one thing that a lot of people kind of don't think about is when LeBron says he wants to play on the same team as his son when his son's ready to get drafted is maybe there's a possibility LeBron comes and coaches whatever team, right? Like Ronnie gets drafted by hypothetically speaking, the Grizzlies for whatever reason, you know, maybe LeBron tries to get onto the coaching staff, right? Just to be there for his son. I think that's a possibility. I think him, you know, forcing a trade to whatever team Ronnie goes to, I think LeBron may be taking a year off once his contract expires until Bronny's in the league is a possibility. Um, but full-on retirement, I don't think so. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers have a lot of choices to make, right? Because I feel like Austin Reeve is going to have the Duncan Robinson effect where he's going to take this huge contract and then just hit a major like wall in his, you know, his, his abilities. Like he was great for them throughout the playoffs, but he was decent in the regular season. Right. And, um, Maybe he takes a step back. I don't know. But do the Lakers offer him and match whatever contract he gets, right? Like, then you have D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis being injury prone. It's like Mm -hmm. they just have a lot of choices to make. And I feel like that roster was constructed so quickly and kind of just like, here's a bunch of mismatch pieces. Do with it what you can. And they made the most of it. But yeah, they got they got a championship as much as people will hate on them for it being in the bubble. They got the championship that they wanted when they brought LeBron and Anthony Davis in together. Right. And again, the same final four teams. Yeah. Miami, uh, Denver, Boston, Lakers. And we, weird how that all worked out. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, it, it honestly was really strange. But no, I think in terms of just the series though. I also didn't anticipate a sweep. I expected Denver to win in five just because, like, I don't know who's stopping Jokic, and I kind of just think that every single time a team is matched up against Denver, like, okay, who are the Golden State Warriors going to put on Jokic? Okay, who is the Lake? who are the Lakers going to put on Jokic? Now it's who is Miami going to put on him when – Right before game seven, I'm like, if we win, who's Boston going to put on them, right? Yeah. I think out of everybody, a healthy Boston team matches up the best against Denver. I think Boston probably gives them the most trouble, but like. Derek White would, Derek White would not be a fun person to go up against. I'm kind of, that's the reason why I'm a little bit glad that Boston didn't make it because he is, I mean, he's 20 minutes away from where I am right now. That's where he went to high school. That's where I'm actually going to his high school tomorrow to coach a little wrestling um, duel over the summer. Like he's very close and he has a lot of ties still here. Like there's a a big contingent of Boston fans solely for the fact that Derek white is on the floor. And what I've seen so far, just in the NBA finals, like he'd be, he'd find himself open and he would be a handful for this Denver Nuggets team as well as they've played. Like that defense is still something that they're, they're struggling with. And that's why, you know, as we look towards the NBA finals, that's why it's a two, one series and not a three Oh series, because in the second game, Denver's defense, especially along the perimeter was not there. Or when they were there, they were just fouling people. And you cannot foul people beyond the three-point line. That's just the most ridiculous thing. And it was our most experienced guy in KCP, a guy who's actually won a championship before. Um, let's talk about the NBA Finals because the Heat, you did just you know spend a whole seven-game series trying to figure out how the Celtics and Heat were going to finish up. What did you see in that, that round of the playoffs? I know you've kind of touched on it already, but – Going into the the final series, what did you see from Miami that was going to be their biggest strength moving into the NBA final series? Um, honestly, going into the finals, I just think the willpower and determination was their strongest thing. And I've said it. I know countless other people have said it. The question has always been, what does Miami have left in the tank? That was a grueling seven-game series against Boston, right? Like, that wasn't simple. That was a rough six games against the Knicks. That wasn't easy, right? And, like, flying to Denver, like, that altitude is nuts, right? Like, I can't imagine it's easy to play in. And I know that it's a professional sports team. They have the equipment to kind of help, you know, overcome that stuff. But, like, it has to be so draining. And just my question has always just been, what does Miami have left? And I think they're just kind of running on sheer willpower. Like Caleb Martin shot lights out against the Celtics. It makes me sick to my stomach. He is two for 12 from three this series so far. Yeah, He has not played well at all. Max Struess had a good game in game two, but has basically been – a ghost in game one and three Gabe Vincent has been the him Gabe Vincent and Bam have been the only two consistent players for Miami. Right. So it's like, 
it's just really tough to think like Denver had all that time off. They're used to the altitude. They're used to traveling to and from it. It's where they play all year long, right? Jokic, everyone's like, he's out of shape. He's this, he's that. And like, yeah, his movements are funny. The way that he runs up the court, the way that, you know, he posts people up and shoots is, but it's, it works. Whatever he's doing is working for them. Yeah, so it's, it's like, efficient for him. He's, I don't know. I said it a couple of weeks ago. He'd be some kind of special forces in an Eastern block. He'd be like going up against Rambo if he wasn't playing basketball because he, he knows how to move his body. He's gotten himself into – like he's in his prime. He's pure, purely in his prime. When he got in, he was awkward and gangly and fat, yeah. and he slimmed himself down to like 275, and he's he, he bangs in the paint. Like he, yeah. he just works to the, to the basket. His arms are beat to hell after every single game, but he, he moves himself in an efficient way, and he just gets himself in scoring positions. No, and, and that's the thing is like Bam – is a good player. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's an elite center. I think he's good. I think I think he's like kind of on that border of good to great. Mm-hmm. But like he's been having a fantastic series, right? Like Bam has been averaging 23 points a game, 13 rebounds and four assists throughout the final so far and honestly <laughs> it's like what more can you get from a guy like that when he's matched up against Jokic and then not only that but like the size difference of the games like Aaron Gordon is huge compared to half these guys in Miami Michael Mm -hmm. Porter Jr he's been playing awful but like Denver hasn't needed him yeah right like they haven't needed him to step up and even in game two it was a missed Jamal Murray three away from being a 3-0 series or at least going to OT to make it a potential 3-0 series, I should say. Yeah. And, like, Jamal Murray's hit that shot a million times before, right? So It wasn't like, a good look either. It was – he had a guy right in his face. Yeah, but, like, again, even he said it. He's like, I've hit that shot a million times. It just didn't go in. Like, I don't know. I think Miami, for the most part, has been playing about as close to perfect as they possibly can. And Denver is not. And, like, we're still seeing these, like, Denver kind of just walk all over them. Like, Denver winning by double digits in two out of three games and then losing by three is just – and, again, with how bad they're playing, right? Denver Denver reminds me a lot of the Celtics out in the West, right? Like, when the Celtics are on and they are playing their best basketball and Denver is playing their best basketball – they have very similar play styles. Yeah. Um, obviously, the scoring is coming from different positions. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Rob Williams is looking like Jokic, but, like, you have Tatum getting to that mid-range, like, hitting those close shots. You got Derek White looking like Jamal Murray, right? Like, you you have all these players that kind of – I don't want to say resemble each other, but it's just a similar play style. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the same struggles. And we saw that in game two, like when Miami went zone, Denver couldn't figure it out. They're like, uh, we don't know what to do. They were making a ton of mistakes. And that's exactly what happened with Boston, right? Like same thing. So, you know, I think, like I said, Miami's willpower, their determination is what's getting them there. I just don't know if it's enough. They do seem to be running on fumes and, and, do you have guys go and, and have really good games, but they haven't been consistent. They haven't been consistent for a couple rounds now. Um, consistently, the Denver Nuggets bench has been kind of their savior. When they got down by 15 and Michael Malone took that timeout early in the sec- in the first quarter, he said, like, I don't worry about the offense. The offense is going to come. We're going to be able to score, and that was proven. They got back into the game. They took the lead, held on to the lead until – um, late later on, I think in the third quarter is when Miami finally took over in game two. <clears throat> it's just making sure that you got guys in the right spot. And when the bench comes in, you, you have to make plays. And Christian Brown is one of the unsung heroes because he's not having the biggest stat lines. He is all over the floor causing turnovers. 
they were talking about it up, up until him entering game two, Miami was leading the turnover battle. All of a sudden there's a steal, there's movement, movement in transition. And Christian Brown is bringing energy that you want a guy that's in that position to bring as a rookie. He's got no, it's almost like he doesn't realize I'm not in the NBA finals. I'm just playing in my backyard. I'm trying to poke the ball away from Jimmy Butler. Yeah. He might be one of the top five best players in the NBA right now, but I'm going to steal the ball away from him. I'm going to make a, a chance for my team. And he's been huge for this Denver Nuggets team in the last two rounds. Christian Brown off that national championship team from, from Kansas. That's a godsend. I didn't even expect to, to even be talking about him playing. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched that. Um, I watched that national championship. I'm a UNC fan. I always have been. Um, but man, oh man, he has, Christian Brown has been spectacular this finals. I don't think anybody expected it. I don't think anybody was like, oh, he's going to come in. But like the fact that he is a rookie and he is going out there and Denver is getting meaningful minutes from him, even if it's not scoring, he's playmaking. Like in game two, when he stole that inbound pass and it led to, you know, I believe it was the uh, um, Jokic like little floater. I believe that's what it ended up leading to or whatever it was. Like once he made that play, I was like, there's a real chance Denver comes back in this game. And they did. And it was early, but again, it was something I expected because I'm just like, this kid's so dynamic. He's so talented and he's really just making the most of the opportunity that he's giving. And like you said, he is bringing that energy. Like if Denver's coming out flat, you throw Christian Brown in there and all of a sudden, it's a whole different team. And it's 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 something – I think this kid's going to be something really special um, as time goes on. But somebody who's not getting enough credit, in my opinion – and again, I, I've been following Denver. I haven't really been following Denver media, so I'm not as certain. But Bruce Brown, he's been pretty awesome all series. And yep. he's the guy that I root for. He grew up in Boston. He grew up 20 minutes from where I grew up. Um, and the dude is, he's super humble. He's funny. He's a great, great role player who knows his role and can perform his role at a high level. And he's a lot of part of Denver's success. And I'm so happy for him. He's a big reason why I'm rooting for the Nuggets in the finals. Because, you know, I want to live vicariously through him. Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff. He was a former Celtic. Everybody loves him, right? He's yeah. been around the league. He deserves a ring. Um, it's just these guys, like the like you said, the bench for Denver has been their saving grace. But the when you think about their bench, they kind of just have everything. They have guys who know their roles. They have vets. They have players who are able to step up when the starters aren't. And that's a lot of what the Celtics were missing in Brogdon in the Eastern Conference Finals. I love Brogdon to death. I was so excited when we got him. I have two Malcolm Brogdon jerseys hanging up in my bedroom right now. One of them's autographed. Yeah. I love Malcolm. And uh, I felt so bad when he tore that tendon in his arm because his leadership, his scoring is what we were missing in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it sucks, but it happens. Um, but But that's what they're getting out of guys – like Jeff Green, Bruce Brown. Christian Brown's been phenomenal. So it's just, it's nice to see that kind of everything is kind of hitting on all cylinders for Denver, even when they're not playing at their best. It's a totally different world than we lived in because we talk about it all the time. When we were in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble, we had Faku Campazzo coming off the bench, yeah. which is a great, he's a great international player, but in the NBA, he's just too small and, and didn't have the ability to actually affect the game. We have guys that can come in off the bench. I, I would love to see. I want nothing more like Jeff Green, win your title. And I don't know if we want to continue to play. There's so many people with connections to this guy as we've been going through this playoff run, like Georgetown fans, Boston fans, all the teams that he's played on. Like, yes, finally get your ring, and then maybe you can ride off into the sunset after a, a long, long and colorful career. But <clears throat> we're leading into game uh, game three, game four, excuse me. The Nuggets have the ability to take the 3-1 series lead, finish it out in a gentleman's sweep if things go well tonight. 
What are you expecting to see? What adjustments do you think Miami's going to make after being beaten down again in game three on home court? They have to at least split the series in everybody's mind, but now they're definitely in an uphill battle because they have to win twice in Denver. What do you think the Heat are going to do for their adjustments now into game four? Yeah, so I mean, I've been on a couple other shows um, where people have asked me the same question, and I, I've i been saying Denver in six um, because I don't expect Miami to just kind of roll over and die. That's not the that's not what Heat culture is. That's not something they've ever done, right? They could have done that in Game Seven against Boston, and they didn't, right? So like, I I expect you know Denver and six still. I do expect a split in Miami. Um, if I was a betting man, I would say Denver wins tonight, just because of all of the factors, like healthier team, more complete team. The, just the level of play that both teams are playing at and how good Denver is doing regardless of that, right? Like, obviously the betting favorite is Denver to win the game tonight. But yeah. I don't – I can't comfortably say, like, I think I think Miami can find a way to squeak it out. In terms of adjustments, like you just asked, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. Mike – like, Eric Spolstra so far has been throwing the kitchen sink at Denver and Michael Malone's just – washing those dishes and getting them out. He's like, yeah. okay, you're going to throw a zone at me. I'm taking Jokic out, Christian Brown's in, and now we're hitting middies. We're hitting our shots. We're collapsing the defense. Oh, the Bam's back in. We're matching his minutes with Jokic. Like, and then when Jokic is in, Miami is pulling out Bam. So then at that point, who's stopping Jokic? Cody Zeller? No. Kevin Love? No. So it's like, no matter what Miami's trying, it's just not working. And shooting variance is really what came down to the game two loss at the end of the day for Denver. And um, I don't know how the Heat adjust. Like, I think if they pull out the win tonight, and, you know, this is a storyline that people have been clamoring about the last two games is the officiating. The officiating has been god-awful through the last two games on both sides. I don't see it favoring one team or the other. Obviously, Scott Foster's officiating tonight. Everyone's saying it's the extender. This is where he's going to extend the series. Everything's going to be called against Denver. Who knows? Nobody knows, right? But, like, if Denver just plays basketball to their ability, Scott Foster shouldn't matter, right? Yeah. So – they have the they're in control, like they're in the driver's seat winning game three. I thought that they were the Heat were going to have a much harder punch going back to home court and then giving themselves possible momentum to, to be in the other side. And the Nuggets win the other night was absolutely monumental for the franchise because you just have to figure out two more. And <clears throat> there has not been a single thing like Duncan Robinson coming in, he, he added a lot of offense when he came off the bench in game two. You're not going to get that consistently. You're not going to get guys to miss shots for this Denver Nuggets team consistently. And if they are, there's going to be some kind of rotation. Like In-game adjustments, Spolstra has the edge. Post-game, going back, watching the film, I'd say Denver and Michael Malone has had the edge throughout the entire playoffs. Because every time that the Nuggets have lost, very rarely, if I don't even know if it's happened in this run, they don't lose two in a row. That's just not something that they've shown that they, they're doing. They, they were able to split in Arizona with CP3, <clears throat> he was hurt, but Devin Booker and uh, KD, they were able to come back, sweep the the Lakers. They've been just on an absolute tear, and they seem to be just finding their all of their momentum. And Michael Porter Jr. hasn't even gone off yet. They, you can't tell me that he's not going to have one game in this final series where he's not going to just shoot the lights out from three. I feel like right. that's coming. And that's the, the, the storyline that nobody's really talking about except for like Aaron Gordon and the reporters for Denver. Cause the little bit of, or the few reporters that I do follow on Twitter have been talking about that. Like, and I'm pretty sure Jamal Murray said it. I'm pretty sure Michael Malone said it. Aaron Gordon or not Aaron Gordon. Um, Michael Porter jr. Hasn't shot well. And he's going to have that game that helps them win the championship. Aaron Gordon said that. Uh, I'm pretty sure he also said to Michael Porter Jr., it's going to be awesome when the Monstars give you your skills back, right? Like, I thought that was hilarious. And honestly, like, they're not wrong. Like, and and, and again, that's where the shooting variance came in for game two. And Miami, 
right now is shooting 37.6% from three, but they're only averaging 99 points a game. Denver is shooting 32% from three this series. Their average coming into this series was over 40. That's crazy. And they're averaging 107 points a game. And that's where I don't know what type of adjustments Miami can make outside of just crossing their fingers and saying, I hope they're shooting variants so that we can get back into this. And like I said, I don't expect Miami to roll over and die. They've been a fantastic road team all playoffs. So even if for whatever reason they go down 3-1, I think it's possible for them to pull a game out in Denver. But I also just, if they go down 3-1, I think Denver just delivers that knockout punch. Like, I don't think this goes past six. Um, You know, I just, I can't see it going past six. If it does go to seven, I would be I would be surprised. Even if it does go seven, I still feel like I would pick Denver to win it. But, you know, it just feels like this is Denver's year. Like, to me, it just feels like this is their year to, to take it. And honestly, they deserve it. Both teams deserve it. I'm not going to lie. Like, both, it, as much as it pains me to say, um, both teams deserve it. And... I probably let fan bases of teams dictate a little too much how I feel about them. I, you know, I had the entire state of Florida in my DMs sending me death threats, calling me a loser and whatever, because I made a post that Max Struess was corny on Twitter. And it, I thought it was hilarious, but, um, you know, four years later after beating Boston, finally he posts something about being waived. Like no one cares. It, it, I thought it was corny. Apparently, the Miami Heat fans that only watch 10% of the season and that's the playoffs decided that they were going to take it personal. But honestly, like both teams, both Miami and Denver deserve this. But the main reason I pull for Denver is like both teams have the underdog story of like, oh, Miami, we're not supposed to be here. But Denver has the individual player underdogs. Jokic, nobody thought he was going to be this good. After Jamal Murray's injury, everybody was like, oh, he's not good. He's washed now. He's never going to replicate his bubble performance. Michael Porter Jr. having surgery 18 months ago, insane. Aaron Gordon, everybody was criticizing him outside of Orlando, and uh, he's showing up. You know, Bruce Brown wasn't amazing for Brooklyn. Jeff Green, obviously, like all of these guys individually have these like crazy cool underdog stories. And I just, I want so bad for Jamal Murray to kind of prove everybody wrong. I absolutely adore him. He became one of my favorite players to watch in the bubble when him and Donovan Mitchell had that awesome seven game series. And I wish, yes. so, so, I wish so bad that they just did a seven game series of one on one. Because that would have been awesome. That was that was where Bubble Murray exploded, and now it's no longer. It's just Jamal. That's who he is. He's the Maple Hammer, and yeah, he him having him and Jokic that kind of duo, that leadership, the chemistry that they show. I feel like they're going to be together for a long time here in Denver, and as long as they're on the same team, you can rebuild, retool, however you're going to do this thing, but. It's finally – everybody's healthy. This is the best run. I'm knocking on all the wood because if Nico does end up listening to this, I don't want to be the reason why there, there was a jinx. But, like, this is kind of the culmination of three years of work since the bubble. The, the management right. team decided we have the team to do this. Let's go get Aaron Gordon. Let's go build around these two stars that we drafted and have developed, one during a Quesarito commercial, and let's go ahead and, and figure out a way to get this thing done. Um I'm I'm expecting the Nuggets to – I'm hoping for five. Nico's hoping for five because then he'll be at the game, the right. Larry O'Brien clinching game. Um, <clears throat> but if it does be I, – I, I agree with you. Seven games seems like it's going to be too much. The Heat are kind of running out of steam. Um, that's going to kind of wrap things up for us. Jared, I really appreciate you coming on again at Jared0 underscore NBA. Um, I appreciate it. You brought a lot of cool insights. And 
like I said, we'll get you back on when Nico's here. So you guys can just go back and forth talking ball because bas- we have basketball fans that listen to the show. They know I try my best, but I can't, can't hold a candle to what Nico can bring to the table. No, fair enough. I mean, I thought this was hella fun and I'm again, so grateful that you brought me on. Um, I had a lot of fun and I'm excited. I, I would love to come back on the show if you guys will have me. I know you said when Nico's back, um, you'll bring me back on. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I'm yep. glad I'm able to provide some sort of insight. Because um, sometimes I question myself when it comes to my basketball knowledge. But I think everybody kind of does that. Yep. So, you know, but I try to be as objective as possible. I try not to just, I don't, I try not to wear those green lenses, as people say. Yeah, the green tinted glasses we have, uh, that's our issue with the Broncos. Everybody wears orange tinted glasses, so we think yeah. that everything's going to be fine. Um, like I said, really appreciate it. Check out Jared's stuff, and uh, once he gets his podcast up and running, maybe he'll have uh, Nico and I on, on as guests to get that thing up and going. But we appreciate it. Um, hopefully next year it's Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics in the final. We'll, have, we'll, be, we'll be able to go on each other's shows and draw some battle lines. But for now – Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the bonus episode. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekends. Watch some NBA Finals basketball. And hopefully when we come back next week with Nico and I, we're talking about even closer to having this thing done or wrapped up. This has been Far Under the Bench Bonus with Jared at Jared Zero underscore NBA. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you later on. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench.